didn't believe God couldn't be anywhere else. But when they went to the temple, this was the tangible expression of the presence of God for them. Are you all with me? Later on, that temple would be destroyed. And as it was being destroyed, they were being spread out as a people. They were being taken captive again and sent into exile. They were told to now go live a life in a foreign land. And as a people who were displaced and as a people who had no authority, they could not build themselves the temple that they once knew. They couldn't experience the presence of God. Understand this, that when the temple was destroyed, they didn't just lose a church building. They didn't just lose a sacred building. They lost the truest place that they could experience the presence of God. And this was a spiritual tragedy that all of us experience. As they were out as they were living in the new land, as they were becoming a new people again, they didn't have a place to go to as they did once more. But they had the prophets of God, and you know prophets. They speak on behalf of God, right? And so as the people, as the prophets of God began to speak to the people of God on behalf of God, people began to cling to these words like they never did before. Before you can imagine them around the campfire telling these stories, you can hear them at home. You can hear the grandpa telling all the grandchildren about the stories of Noah or about all these stories that you and I both know. And once before, we maybe we took those stories for granted. Maybe we told them and they were fun stories, but it wasn't until we lost the temple that we were spread out as a people again in exile that those words became to have a, a life that they never had before. And so what happened was that these words that were written now about God became the new, very real way we experience the presence of God. We didn't have a temple anymore, but we had these words. And that was how we experienced God's presence. Are you all with me? Because... I want to suggest to you this morning that there is a difference between the way you and I tend to look at Scripture and the way our ancient sisters and brothers looked at Scripture. If you don't believe me, let let me tell you, even some of the most faithful people I have known, when it comes to Bible reading, they'll say things like this, Oh, I love learning about the Lord. Oh, I love opening up the Bible. Every time I open up the Bible, the Lord just teaches me something new. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for. I stand and... Man, some of y'all need to go back to Sunday school. Come on, y'all. But even that sense of you know, being able to, to learn from the Bible, open it up and to learn something new each time, that's different than the way... We use to see what happened when we view Scripture. I say that because I think all of us as Christians, we know we need to be reading the Bible more. We know that, you know, the the stories are important. We know that this is uh, an important part of who we are. 
as Christians, we know that if we just finally get to doing it, that it'll be okay and, and we'll get better at it. We know it'll be good for us if we just finally sit down and do it. But do you notice how that sounds exactly how many people describe exercise? Oh, I know I need to be exercising, but I mean, I, I just don't have the time. I just don't have the energy. I just don't feel like it. And those are some of the same things we say about Scripture. You see the difference? When these are just words that we want to learn from, that learning's good. We need to learn. But I want you to understand today that we used to view the words of Scripture as God's presence with us. That when we read about Noah, that when we read about Isaiah, that when we read about Job, and we read about Jesus now and Paul now, we aren't just reading more stories. We are experiencing the presence of God with us. I also want you to realize this. In the synagogue, as our temple was rebuilt again, the second one wasn't as fabulous as the other one. After that, we began to build synagogues, something you and I might relate to a church, where we couldn't always go to the synagogue, excuse me, we couldn't always go to the temple so far away, but we had our local synagogue where we came and we could meet. We could worship together, we could eat together, we could have fun together, we could enjoy our company, we could argue together, we could laugh together, we could do all those things together in our synagogue. And in the synagogue, I imagine there's a junk drawer somewhere, because every church has a junk drawer or a junk room or two. I've counted about three or four at this church, in this building. But anyway, but I guarantee you, As Jesus steps into the synagogue that day, our text, there's no junk drawer where he's at. I need you to understand that by the time Jesus goes and sits in the Moses chair, the place where the scripture would be read, that by the time that scroll was handed to him, it's already gone through some sort of ceremonial type of of, uh, entrance. I can see that someone's walked, they've taken the scroll out of a special cabinet or a special holder where they kept this uh, until they needed it. They didn't leave it around. They didn't put it behind the pew. They put it in a sacred place. And when it came out, they lifted it up so all the people could see it. And I imagine as they did that, people, they were singing songs, they were praising God. And every time it would pass you, you'd probably raise your hand out to kiss the scroll. You'd kiss the very words of God. So by the time it got here to Jesus, we had already celebrated. We had already thanked God for it. We had already reminded ourselves how precious these words were. And now all we had to do again to experience the presence of God was to hear those words again. I love how Luke tells us, I think specifically, that Jesus took the scroll from the attendant. He unrolled it. He looked for the exact place that he wanted to read from. When he was done reading, he rolled it up again, Luke says, and he handed it back to the attendant, and then he sat down. There's something very, I don't know, ceremonial about that. I think Jesus is doing this on purpose. He's not just popping it open and hoping to find a spot. He's taking his time, and he's letting the people... 
He's letting the people's excitement build. He's letting the people's expectation build so that when he read those words, they would be ready to experience the presence of God once again. Are y'all with me? Does that make sense? Now, where we are today in Luke chapter 4, this passage is often referred to as Jesus' mission statement. He read from the passage of Isaiah, you know it, Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, on and on and on. And we look at those words and we say, man, those words describe what we know about Jesus' life and ministry exactly. All those things that Isaiah said are the things that Jesus did with his life. He fed the hungry, he ate with sinners, he did all of these things just like the prophet had said. So in one sense, I think we can appreciate Jesus going to the Scripture, to the Word of God, to find His purpose in life. That He didn't just read to learn, that He read to to experience the presence of God and to find out where it was God was leading Him. He knew that the Word of God would lead Him. He knew that the Word of God would give purpose to His life and to His ministry. Oh, and I wish... I could teach some United Methodists that lesson. Methodists who, they, boy, they have that book of discipline memorized, but they ain't picked up a Bible in years. Uh Uh-huh. But Jesus knew that these words would not only direct his life, but they would give him life. But I don't want you to forget about the people who were there with Jesus. See, just as Jesus had heard these words before, they had heard these words. You can guarantee that Jesus has heard these words repeated over and over. He's used them in worship before. He's studied them. He's read them. He's prayed them. He's had conversations about them with other people of faith. And so had they. They had heard these same words. They had heard the same story from the prophet. And they were there with expectation in their eyes. And so that's why when Luke says he, sat, he read, he gave the scroll back to the attendant and he sat down and all eyes were fixed on him. Now in one sense, they wanted to know what he had to say. They heard about this guy who had been starting a ministry and they wanted to know how he was going to interpret these familiar words. In one sense, but I think also, in another sense, they wanted to know what God was going to tell them. Now, let me be truthful here. Um, Jesus' quick little sermon, I can do better than that, Jesus. He read these words, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, blah, 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 blah. Gives a scroll back, he sits down, all the eyes are fixed on him, and he says, Very truly, this word has come to pass to you today. And everybody goes crazy. And I'm reading this thinking, that's it? That's all you got to say, Jesus? No funny joke, no uh, life illustration, no nothing? All you say is that, Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing and the crowd goes nuts. But remember, what were those people seeking when they heard the word of God? The presence of God. 
Those words were repeated to them. These weren't just words on the page. They expected that the presence of God would be so real to them. And to suggest that what we know, what we've read, what we've seen before, to take some words that have been repeated to us and to think that God is using them, that what God had said before is coming to pass right before our very eyes is a blessed thought. What was happening in that moment with that one sentence sermon Jesus gave, people experienced the presence of God from the words of God. They didn't learn anything new. They didn't write down in the corner of the scroll, ooh, I'll remember that for next time. Ooh, I want to study that a little more. What they heard was that God was with them that day. How I wish, sisters and brothers, that when you and I read, read the words of God, we would feel like God was speaking with us because God was right here with us. But I wonder what happens on any given Sunday when they ask you to please stand for the reading of God's holy word. I hear it before. Oh, we're only supposed to stand when we read the gospel. Um, So all the other words of God aren't as important? Is that really what you want to tell God? We like that part of the story, God. The other part? (laughs) Yeah. But I wonder what happens when we stand up for the reading of all of God's word when we're here together. I wonder what goes through our mind as we're listening. I wonder if, for example, some of us are thinking, ah, I already know that story. Ah, did I leave the iron on back at home? Can we sit down yet? I wonder if preacher knows what time kickoff is. And I wonder if he really cares. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? How you and I can take these words. I believe they finished yesterday. But our sisters and brothers in Dripping Springs, some of you may have been to that city, at the Methodist Church, for 72 hours, they have been reading the Word of God this weekend. Members signed up for 30-minute increments. And they'd come to the sanctuary. They'd come to a place that was set up. They would sit or stand. And if the place was packed, or if it was just them, they would just read the Word of God. From Genesis to Revelation. Some people will say, that's silly. Why in the world would you do that? Hello? Because it's in the Word of God that we experience the presence of God. And I bet that even that old lady who signed up to read all those funny passages from the book of Leviticus. Oh, I bet when she understood that she was in the presence of God, that when she was with all of the angels and the saints who were trusting in this word, that something powerful happened in their heart. Oh, I bet when somebody got up there to read Song of Solomon, their heart fluttered a little bit. Some of y'all hadn't read that book, have you? There's some crazy stuff in there. Read it around Valentine's Day and you'll get it. 
But how powerful is that? To say that as a church, we know that these words have meaning, but not only that, they have life. When God first gave the covenant, the words that would bind the people of God to God and would bind God to the people, one of the things that God would say is, let my teachings fall like rain. In other words, the way that we look at rain as a source of revival and sustenance for the land, that we should be looking at the words of God the same way, like rain for our souls that brings renewal to our hearts and direction and life to our living. That's how we see the words of God. Someone once said, words don't magically contain God's presence, but we allow the spirit through which the scriptures were written to inform our listening. And that the presence of God in and beyond the words become alive for us once more when we ask the Spirit to make these words be the presence of God for us. One of the churches we served, I hadn't been there all that long, and we had a choir director who had been there for over 40 years. And, like I said, hadn't been there very long, and this guy, you know what he did to me? He went off and died. He died after we had been there for a little while. But I remember one day, it would prove to be um, the day before he passed. The day before that was a pretty rough day. We thought we were going to lose him. Then we, he, he was unresponsive. He didn't. His eyes were just blank. Some of you know that. Some of you know that look. Some of you also know sometimes that happens and the very next day you go in and there's a smile on their face. Their eyes are open again. They're sitting up. And this was him that day. Total total a different person he was coherent he couldn't speak but he knew you were there and he'd laugh he'd smile at you he'd point at you and as we were there it was me and another church member we were there for a while and he kind of made a gesture that he wanted something what is it brother what do you want and he kind of he tried to write in the air what it was he was showing us pictures and we, we couldn't get it couldn't get it. Finally, the lady I was with, she had a piece of paper and she got a pen. Here, take the pen and try to write. And he, he couldn't get his hand straight. You, you know how that is. And he tried with everything he could. And he made what looked to be the letter B. And we're like, what is that, brother? We, we can't tell. Is that, is that a picture or a, a letter? Is that a letter B? Yes, it's letter B. Oh, B, great. B. B for what? Uh, book? Yes, book. But I remember we didn't get it. What book? We didn't bring any books. What book did you like to read? What book do you want us to bring? And it wasn't for, I'm embarrassed to say, many minutes later, and the light went off. He wants the Bible. This man had lived his life with a trust in these words. And here on his deathbed, the very end of his life, he knows the only thing, the only thing that can make these moments worth anything was that book. Now let me ask you this. 
Do you think he wanted to have a Bible study then? Do you think he wanted to learn something new then? I don't. I think he just wanted to hear those words and experience the presence of God maybe one last time. What about you? How do you want to hear this love letter God has given to us? I want you to learn it. I want you to learn from it. But I hope, sisters and brothers, you will see Scripture as God's presence with us. And as such, you would be able to find purpose. You'd be able to find meaning for life. You'd be able to find healing. And all of the things the presence of God brings to us. So, I want you to, if you would, give your attention somewhere in your bulletin. You should have one of these cards right here. I want to remind you, last week we began our sermon series entitled Committed to Christ, and I told you that for the next six weeks we'd be looking at different aspects, different uh, spiritual disciplines of the Christian, our Christian life. Last week we talked about prayer and the significance that, significance that prayer has in our life. And I, I want to praise God and say that over 60 of you made some kind of commitment to take a step up in your prayer walk. I praise God for that. Today I want to give you the same opportunity with the way you read the Bible. Here's what I need you to do. You just need to be honest. When it comes to reading the Bible, where are you? How often do you read it? When do you read it? How do you read it? You don't have to tell me. You're not reporting to anybody. And nobody's going to say, man, how can, you should know better than that. Man, how come you don't have the Bible memorized by now? Nobody's going to do anything like that. I just need you to take a quick inventory of your spiritual walk. And where do you fit Bible reading? And no matter where that is, I'm going to ask you if you'd be willing to make one step up when it comes to Bible reading. I want to read each of these options. I hope you'll see that each of these sort of represents a step up to making Scripture everything God wanted it to be for us. The question is, are you ready to grow by reading the Bible? It says, check all that apply. Please don't check all because that'd be kind of confusing. The very first option you have is, no, I'm not ready to make a commitment today. You might not be ready to do that, and I want you to know that's okay. I understand. The other option is, no, I'm not ready to start reading the Bible, but I want to with all my heart. Maybe you do, but you just don't know how. Maybe you don't think you could give it the time that it really needs, and that's okay, too. The next option reads, yes, I will read the Bible sometimes. Or, yes, I will read the Bible regularly and at least once a week. Realize that's a step up for some people, and that's okay. The next option reads, yes, I will read the Bible on a daily basis, at least 10 minutes per day. How awesome is this? Some of you um, indicated the same commitment last week with prayer. You said that you would pray at least once a day for at least 10 minutes. 
So imagine if you were to say, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes and I'm going to read scripture for 10 minutes. That in the less, in less time it takes to watch your favorite sitcom, you could already have prayed and experienced the presence of God through scripture. The next one says, yes, I will read the Bible and I am ready to be a part of a Bible study or group. And the final one reads, reading the Bible will be a priority in my life. That means I will strive for my daily life to reflect the Christ whom I encounter in the Bible. I will surround my family and friends with the word of God. Through reading and memorizing the Bible, I will seek to better understand who God is and who I am, finding my own story and the stories of my faith ancestors. If you would, sisters and brothers, take a few moments. Wherever you are when it comes to reading the Bible, I'm asking if you take one step up in your commitment to do so. And if you take just a few moments to fill out your card here, Sisters and brothers, what I'm going to invite you to do is we're going to pray quickly. After we pray, we're going to sing our, our hymn of response. And as we're being played, as we're singing, I'm going to ask you if you'll come forward as you feel led. Fold uh, the card if you have to. Again, nobody's looking at this. Nobody's keeping score for you. But just take it, and if you will leave it here today, this becomes a part of your offering to God. So uh, let's pray. Lord, we ask you that, indeed, your Holy Spirit would be real to us at this very moment. And that you would use this time as a way to continually build us up. God, give us faith enough in who you are and in your word to make your word a part of who we are. We ask, Lord, that you accept these commitments by your grace and mercy. May they be to your glory. May our life, God, be a blessing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you feel led, would you come?